1: I will call upon you to do a
0: service for me. Play the godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. And now get $250 when you join RAMP for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. RAMP.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Scott soshnik
0: Y me Eben Novi Williams. Y estás escuchando al Sportacast.
1: All right, Evan, I love it. The last episode, I told you that you had not varied your intro. It it sounds the same every single time. And you went bilingual on me. Uh, Qué bueno, mi amigo. Qué bueno.
0: I'll be doing German at the end of the week, Scott. Just showing off the versatility of of this (laughs) podcast.
1: I I love it. Well, bien hecho. Y vamos a. Hablar de la National Football League, si? ¿sí? Mm. ¿qué sabes de National Football League? Uh, mucho dinero, Scott. Uh, a lot of, <laughs> sí, a dinero. lot of money
0: for the National Football League. The much-anticipated uh, NFL renewals, media deals, came at the end of last week. Scott Sportico wrote a lot about this. I won't get into all the numbers, but a big renewal on Monday night for ESPN and Disney. And then the Sunday night packages, CBS, NBC, Fox, all went up. Big uh, valuation increases All told, if you include Amazon on Thursday night, $105 billion of renewal, Scott.
1: Uh, You want to make sure everybody heard you correctly? That's with a B. And I would encourage everybody to go and read Anthony Krupe's story on it Mm. because somehow, some way, and we let this slide. uh, I had to talk with the editors afterwards. I'm kidding. It was good. But somehow, some way, we have a reference to bees in a gas station bathroom. You know, so uh, if you really don't know how that fits, I was like, go read Krupy because he did an excellent job sort of painting the picture and and what was important and what are the takeaways. And on that, Eben, you and I had been discussing this for some time. All we keep hearing about is sort of the end of the cable bundle, right? It's dying, court nevers, court cutters, that the cable bundle is over. And yet, if you take a look at this deal, it's the legacy media that drove the bus, CBS, NBC. Fox, ABC in the Super Bowl rotation, ESPN, all of them paying more to retain the National Football League. Yes, we do have that streaming component, that direct-to-consumer, and a lot of it also driven, by the way, we should say, by the streaming services that these networks have. So the ESPN Pluses, the Peacocks, the Paramount Plus. Yeah, I, I get it that it's also shoulder programming and games for that as well. But the primary source of the revenue right now, still to this day, are the legacy media networks. And Amazon is in exclusive Thursday night, and none of the networks wanted that anyway. So the NFL figured out a way, okay, you're not happy with it. We'll grant Amazon exclusivity. By doing so, you drive the price up. Uh, In the old days, it was 50 million bucks for Amazon. Before that, Twitter was 10 million. I know that's apples to walnuts, but whatever. Um, The fact is they're paying a billion dollars for this exclusivity. And we're looking down the road, five, seven, nine years, When it's a more mature streaming market, more bidders will be in place. And I'm going to give you the very basic Wharton School, Harvard Business School review, Eben. And this one, everybody write this down, get your pen and paper. More bidders means more money. They will have more streaming bidders next time. I will guarantee that right now.
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of people after these deals get announced kind of debating whether the story is... NFL sticks with the broadcast channels or if the story was Amazon gets more exclusivity and the, you know, the writings on the wall for the next time they negotiate these. I think the answer is probably just both. The NFL, as you said, chose to go where the money and the eyeballs are right now. It is the most, the dominant, the biggest, the most valuable piece of programming that we have in America, maybe even globally right now from a broadcast standpoint, but it's clear. There's no more discount. As you said, Amazon used to pay, $50 Fifty million for Thursday night. They're paying over a billion now. There's no more discount for streaming, and we're going to see in in eleven years how different things look. Uh, one other thing you mentioned, Anthony Croupy, in there after he mentioned the bees in the uh, in the bathroom. Uh, a great stat here that just shows how important NFL is on NBC on, on Sunday night in primetime. NBC their NFL games draw six point three million average adults to watch. That's the coveted demographic. Everyone else in primetime on Sunday night, eight hundred and thirty thousand. So the NFL on Sunday night is seven and a half times more adults watching than everybody else combined on the broadcast networks on on Sunday night. That just shows how important these are. And it's why all these companies are paying 80%, 85%, in some cases, even more premiums to, to retain their packages on Sunday.
1: Yeah, Roger Goodell just happy. He's not going up against... Uh... Blue Bloods every night. That's a <laughs> that's a tough one. That'd be that'd be a tough one for uh, you know the old Thomas Magnum, Tom Selleck. He, he draws an audience of a certain age. It's like sixty minutes audience. It's, it's getting up there. But also, Evan, we also discussed this. Where does this put the NFL and its owners in the Roger Goodell stated goal of twenty five hmm. billion dollars? What was it, 2027, 20,
0: 20, I 20, believe twenty twenty yeah. seven. Okay,
1: we certainly we're getting closer. Uh, attached to this, the NFL did retain a lot of sports betting rights and data. And that's a that's a new contract that, by the way, is coming up very soon. This is a new revenue stream. You know, this, so only going to mature in the U.S. market. Where would you say Roger is on that stated goal of twenty five billion? Is he, it we laughed about it. I think at, at the start, we were like, well, whew, that's awfully ambitious of Roger, right? Now it might be low.
0: Yeah, and and we we knew that this set of negotiations was going to be the thing that let us know are they on track are they ahead of schedule are they behind schedule. We should also say, Scott, they're not done. Sunday ticket is still out there that expires at the end of this year. That that is still in negotiation. It seems like ESPN is potentially in there. AT and T, whose Direct TV has it now, uh, may hold on to some of it. It may get split up. So there's another big chunk, another you know two plus billion dollar a year media package out there that the NFL still has not. Finalized moving forward, and then you you said it. There's a gambling data deal that's coming. The NFL doesn't really have, at least not yet, a, a, a exclusive or even non-exclusive U.S. based sports betting partners, and they may open that up as well. I think there's a lot of a, a lot of new revenue streams that are coming. NFTs. Who knows what what that looks like in a couple of years? Uh, but as we said, twenty five billion dollars in annual revenue by twenty twenty seven. The NFL was at 16 to 17 in that range pre-pandemic. They took a $4 billion hit or so this year. Um, but it seems pretty clear that there is a lot of optimism that once things get up and rolling again from a ticket perspective, you know, those revenues are on a on an escalator upwards.
1: You know what I'm hoping, which would really make a, a fun situation for us in like, the sports business media to watch? Somehow, someway, Elon Musk wants an exclusive package of football, something in Tesla. Just That's for it. Tesla? If, driving, yeah, if just for Tesla drivers, if you're in your car, on, if you buy one, you get it on your phone, there's some authentication through your car that you get to watch something. I would love to see Elon Musk jump in here and figure out a way to, to make that happen.
0: Well, there used to be kind of separate TV deals that were inked for airplanes, right? I think there is actually some airplanes, historical precedent elevators, for gas for exactly stations, those kinds of yeah. things. So once tra- cars are driving themselves... Why not be the official, the only car that comes with a, a Sunday ticket or whatever it's called at that point, package for, uh, for viewership while you're sitting there watching the wheel turn.
1: If, if you want a certain level of fame, Eben, like you and I, we used to work at Bloomberg news. Correct. Uh, you know, uh, I used to go up and down the elevators in the four or five star hotels, just, on the, just on the chance that somebody might recognize us when we come up on the elevator cam. <laughs> yeah.
0: By whatever the way, we were uh, that that's me.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's me discussing uh, whatever the sports business. Is. Yes, that is me. Thank you. Would you please press thirteen? I appreciate it. <laughs> Madness, March oh, I Madness. See what you did. Thank you. I see what did you, you see did what, did what I did there? That was good, yeah. right? It yeah, was like a very good. It was referring to the other, but now I've segued to March Madness. I don't even know where I want to begin on this one um, because I, 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 I'm told I'm doing. Pretty well in the office pool, right? I, at the <laughs> well, moment,
0: I think if you go to Syracuse and Syracuse ends up having a nice little deep run, you're going to end up pretty well in the in the office pool.
1: Well, I think I had some of the upsets. I really do. I don't know which ones because, <laughs> you know, dirty little secret, I didn't pay all that much attention. I filled it out in like eight seconds the morning of. But I, I think I did have like Oregon State. Like I guess that they're, they're not all that good, but I thought they were good, <laughs> so I picked them. Um, I, I'm doing all right, but give me some money on on March Madness. Oh wait, before we ask you for money. Did, I saw an article today. Did you see that the NCAA has not allowed the women to utilize March Madness in their marketing?
0: I did see that. The uh, one of the enduring stories I think so far of this college yes. basketball go, tournament. Go, season take this. I know
1: where you're going. Go. Has
0: has been the inequalities between the men's and the women's tournament. Uh, there were some uh, so, so some basketball players on the women's Oregon team that put out a a Twitter video about the weight rooms. I think it was on TikTok actually, but I'm not even sure you can call that a weight room. You could (laughs) have had
1: that. You could have had that in your, in your hotel room. Exactly. That's that's
0: what you bring with you. It was cut against the men's weight room, which was a, professional looking weight room that sparked a whole lot of discussion about the catering in the women's bubble down in Texas versus the men's bubble in Indiana. Uh, A lot about the gift bags that were waiting in hotel rooms for men's players versus women's players. It also appears, and this one is the most egregious in my opinion, Scott, the testing uh, is different in the men's bubble, the women's bubble. The, The men are getting a more reliable, uh, test as opposed to to the one that the women are using the rapid testing uh, so a lot of inequalities there the NCAA has apologized for some of it some of those apologies have rung true or even seemed not even accurate on their on their face um, but yes I think one of the things that we are maybe more people are learning as as this tournament goes on is just how different the NCAA treats the women's tournament versus the men's tournament and and one of the interesting nuances here is that some of that, I think has been intentional over the years. I think there are people in power in women's basketball that kind of wanted the women's game to be kind of a separate entity. And that may include licensing as well, a kind of a separate entity from the men's game. Um, But it seems pretty clear at this point that the expectations are higher for what the NCAA should be providing its female athletes as opposed to its men's one.
1: Without a doubt. And this is a good test to see if uh, friends of the program are actually listening. You know, our good friend, Peter land, he, uh, he runs comms over at Dick's Sporting Goods. And you see which teams or which companies are nimble because almost immediately when this became a social media thing, Dick's was out with a, hey, we've got the vans, we've got the equipment, we're ready to help. Just let us know when and where. Here we are. We'll deliver the stuff. We'll set it up. That's what we do at Dick's Sporting Goods because we value you know, uh, female, female athletes. Uh, I, I sent him a note saying, wow, great, great pivot, really well done. And that's not just a commercial for dicks. It just shows the, the world of sports business these days. You have to be paying attention. You have to know the conversation, and you have to see if you can somehow interject yourself into it in a positive light.
0: Absolutely. And uh, just to, to to be clear, the inequalities of the men's and women's tournament is not just an NCAA as an organizational standpoint. It really falls down on the teams and the and and, and the conferences themselves. Our colleague Emily Karen did a story on Saturday that really laid out kind of all the ways in which men's and women's basketball are different. Sure, the men's basketball tournament brings in a lot more revenue than the women's basketball tournament. That's undisputed. It's also true that almost all these teams spend 2x on the men's basketball team as they do on the women's basketball team. So a lot of these changes, if we're looking for more equality, are going to have to come from the, the team and school level before they filter all the way up to the NCAA. It's got a few other kind of storylines unfolding right now. As we record this on Monday, the PAC 12 seven and O in the tournament, they've earned 13 units in terms of payouts that will be paid over the next six years. Essentially that's, you know, more or less $26 million that will be coming to the PAC 12 in the next six years because of their success so far in the tournament A lot of people did not see that coming. The Big Ten, which had some of the best teams in the country all year, saw a lot of those teams, such as Illinois, such as Purdue, Ohio State, they got eliminated fairly early. Uh, And another big one, sports betting operators having a big, big tournament so far. Anytime you see heavy favorites losing early, uh, that's usually a good sign for sports books because people see matchups and think it's impossible that Illinois could possibly lose to a school named Loyola Chicago but it happens a lot more than they think so a big tournament so far for sports betting operators as well
1: and for those who do not believe in statistical analysis and analytics you know John Azikowitz who years and years ago used to I believe he was like the co-president of the Harvard Sports Analysis Collective and we work with those folks on some editorial stuff uh John actually worked for the Phoenix Suns while he was in college, but he did his statistical modeling of this year's tournament, and I think he had every single upset, like directional r- religious school that you weren't sure or overweight there, and the, you know he had them winning, so it, clearly the statistical analysis you know if that thing may go somewhere in sports betting, you know, he may pivot and think, you know this could be this could be a new company, right? If you show this kind of uh, accuracy picking these tournament teams, clearly he's on to something.
0: One last tidbit that I found before we move on in the, if you look at all 32 matchups in the first round, if you look at them by how much each school spends on sports every year, the biggest financial mismatch of the tournament was also an upset. Ohio State uh, against Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts spends $186 million less each year on sports. Uh, than then Ohio State does upset. And then if you look at the second round, Oral Roberts, again, they spend about $153 million, I think, less than Florida each year, and they beat Florida as well. So some of the biggest financial mismatches we've seen in this tournament have also produced some of the biggest upsets.
1: Well, the Big Ten will endeavor to do better next year, Eben. And another sterling segue, nice. endeavor. Yes, you know it is the Talent Agency Um, we broke the story last week that Endeavor had filed confidentially for an IPO. Uh, everybody knows they had filed or, well, thinking about an IPO and then, and wound up not doing it. Um, what are we to make of Endeavor filing confidentially? Uh, has the atmosphere improved? Uh, they weren't the only ones that didn't last time. Um, certainly folks keeping an eye on it though.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And that's, I mean that's it, right in a nutshell. In, in 2019, they they pulled their IPO a day before it was set to start trading. The, the company line was, "Oh, the market isn't isn't right right now." They'd the, come on the heels of I think Lyft and Uber both that had very meager IPOs. There wasn't a grand sense that that the IPO market was great. In some ways, there's certainly evidence that the IPO market is better right now in the U.S. On the other side, the Endeavor business, just because it is an entertainment property, is is not having the best year. This is a company that reps a lot of talent. There's sports entities in there. There's there's UFC, there's Learfield IMG College, CLC, the collegiate licensing company. If you own an entertainment property in the past year or so, it's been a it's been a tough year. So the, the market may be more primed for companies going public. At the same time, I imagine this hasn't been the best year on the balance sheet. Uh, for Endeavor. Scott, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, my thoughts are this, and you and I sketch out loosely what we're going to talk about, just sort of throw out some broad topics, and then we see where we go. And I'm reminded that we didn't sketch out Roundhill's ETF. And your discussion right now there made me think of it, that folks do want to be involved in the sports and entertainment world. And Roundhill, they have created an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, with, in essence, sports properties in it, MSG, Liberty, all sports-related things. And it's, it's sort of like the John Wall Street index that, that Sportico put together um, because there's so much sizzle. Looking ahead, you get the feeling that there's a lot of pent-up demand and optimism with the vaccine rollout, that Q3, Q4, and then moving forward, that there's going to be this surge of interest In sports and entertainment, people will flood back to the arenas and the stadiums. People, they want to watch on TV and the opening the opening ratings for the tournament were great. So, yeah, there's got to be optimism in an industry where Tim Laiwiki was screaming for like government assistance not long ago because almost (laughs) nobody was hit as hard. You know, airlines, yes, but, you know, sports and entertainment was really hit. You took away almost uh, more more than half the revenue uh, in some leagues when you took away fans from from arenas and stadiums. So you just get this optimism that people with, with their attachments and their, and their affinities for sports, that they want a way to express that with their dollars. And now at least there's one ETF in which you can do it.
0: Yeah. And, and, and hearing you say that, the, the, counter, the obvious counterpoint to, to, to what I was saying about a minute ago is that DraftKings went public last April the day they went public the only things you could bet on on their app in new jersey was ukrainian table tennis and Belarusian uh, premier soccer league because everything is shut down and the stock soared and now it's worth 3x maybe even more at this point than it was when they ipo'd so no doubt that that you can you can go public at a time when your business isn't soaring in the way that it used to and as long as the future looks bright there can be a kind of a tremendous rush of, of, of public money uh, to back what you're doing so all that to say that if if uh, Endeavor does end up going public, if, if things are still kind of restricted in the entertainment world, that shouldn't point blank uh, mean that there's not going to be as much interest as there might w- would have been pre-pandemic or or when the pandemic is actually over.
1: Yeah, well, if, if you're looking at DraftKings, remember now you've got cities and municipalities that are so hungry for any sort of revenue. You know, people are leaving, tax bases are down, real estate revenues down, uh, that they're speeding up things all of a sudden. Mobile sports betting and all these places seems to be coming online a lot quicker. That's a win for DraftKings. That's a win for FanDuel. That's a win for FoxBet. You, you keep going. Um, you're starting to see a picking up of the pace of of these cities and states where legalized sports betting is taking hold.
0: And it's also a win, Scott, for the data providers that that, that yep. provide for those sports books. And we can end on this. Uh, Genius Sports, one of those data providers, this week announced a new chairman, David Levy, the former president of Turner. Uh, Important time for Genius. They are also going public through SPAC acquisition. We're expecting that to close anytime in the coming weeks. Uh, They are, for folks who don't know, they provide... Data products for media—you might see their stuff on in March Madness, for example. In the next couple of weeks, they provide the the data around NCAA basketball games. They also provide data for sports books. There's a good chance if you're betting uh, on college sports and somewhere in the you know in the U.S. right now, there's a good chance you're doing that through Genius provided betting streams. Uh, but David Levy Scott brings a wealth of both knowledge from his experience in sports media and other jobs he's had recently, and also just a Rolodex of people he used to sit across the table from and negotiate media rights deals that are now the same people that Genius wants to be negotiating data deals with.
1: Yeah, David has long been interested in sort of the, the mass appeal of programming that is associated with betting. And the biggest thing he did at Turner was, of course, the match, which was that, that one-on-one golf between Tiger and Phil um he's he really viewed that as a massive sports betting play that's what would drive the interest didn't quite get there but you know what he's thinking you can look into uh the window uh, of his mind into what he thought that should and may become um and now of course is over at genius we keep getting all the all this information i mean, we have sport radar board synergy part owned by the owners of the dodgers which mm-hmm. is get it it's it, it's about video it's about data Um, so all this news being driven by these data analytics companies, all aimed at the betting houses, all aimed at the major media companies saying, How can you utilize what we do to better engage the fan on that second screen experience? And I'm I'm really fascinated to see what happens from the NFL and its data deal, because you know, the, the NFL was or is the most conservative of the leagues. And they clearly understand how sports betting has changed the game and how they will be able to touch new customers, new fans, second screen, younger fans, uh, whether it's through Amazon or even the, 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 uh, the apps that the traditional media companies have. They just understand that the, the days of sitting on your couch and watching the three hours from one to four, four to seven are over. People are watching with their phone, their tablet, their computer. They're doing their fantasy. They've got their bets and they want it all in real time. And live betting, like if I can, is he going to make this field goal? Is he going to miss it? Is, is, is he going to make this first down? Think about that. Even if a game's a 50 point game, you know, and the over under was whatever it is, or will he, people have a reason to stay and watch. That is where we're headed. It's not going to be about the final score, just about who wins, who loses. It's all about what happens during the game. Each and every play is a betting opportunity. That's going to be one fun time to be a sports fan.
0: That's a good place to wrap it up, Scott. We started on the NFL and we are ending on the NFL. You have been listening to the Sportacast, the flagship show in Sportico's podcast network. He's Scott Soschnick. You can follow him on Twitter at Soschnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. You can follow the show at Sportacast and get it wherever you get your podcasts.